I'm Jay. I'm Iraj. And this is Cheers and Tears. Okay, so now we've got our screen time, which I'm very embarrassed to admit because I know that the number is going to be very high, but I think it's important that we share how much time we're actually spending on our phones per day. Let me grab my phone. Oh, you want me to check? Yeah, I want you to check. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be embarrassing. We're showing the whole world right now. So I'm actually proud to announce that I am down 27% from last week. Down 27% from last week Mm -hmm. puts me at a daily average of 11 hours and 19 minutes per day. I'm so glad you said that because I was feeling bad about my screen time. What's yours? It's eight hours and eight minutes. Yeah, you really know how to make someone feel bad about themselves, don't you? <laughs> that's not that's not bad, though. I feel like that's just the equivalent of having a job. But what's your most used app? I would probably say it's Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah, because I just sit and I open in- I consistently just open up Instagram for no reason. And then I'll be like, why did I do that? I get it. I think it's just a force of habit. And one way you could probably break that is by moving your apps around. Like I switch that. up your layout. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I put my my Instagram, my Facebook, I put them all in like different folders and I switch mm-hmm. them around. But it doesn't help because I can just use the search tool. And I just use the search tool and type in what I want. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about the search tool. Well, I never use can. the search tool. No, don't tell me that. <laughs> Now you can, and it's available to you. My most used app is TikTok. Oh, I didn't think about TikTok. Yeah. Oh, that probably is my most used app because when I use TikTok, it starts off like light outside and then I'll like blink and it's dark and it's like nine o'clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, how long have I been on TikTok? How many videos have I watched on TikTok? And honestly, my t- I just made my first TikTok. I've been on TikTok for like months now and I just made my first one. Oh, what did you do? I did the Are You Black quiz as a duet from some guy who, I don't know, I guess he, that's just what he does on his TikTok is he makes like quizzes. And I am proud to say <laughs> that I checked with my mom <laughs> and I only missed three questions. The point is I got the most, I got most of them right. Jay, I hate to tell you this, but you don't need a quiz to tell you if you're black. (laughs) I needed, not only did I need that one quiz, Mm -hmm. I needed the 12 that I took. (laughs) Took 12 of them, just to be sure. Are they all from TikTok? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is there an Are You Indian quiz that I need to take? Now I'm Uh, not so sure. You know, I would look and just just to check, just to make sure you don't want to miss out on anything. You don't want your whole life to be a lie. Okay, so what? why are we talking about screen time? Because it would be a fun thing to embarrass us. <laughs> no, I mean, like, what's our topic today? Is what I was <laughs> say. Well, in case they haven't figured it out by now, the topic of the day is social media. So... One thing, like I said before, like how I consistently check my Instagram, 
even mm-hmm. if it's just a couple people's stories, I feel like that is its own form of FOMO, which if for people who don't know, FOMO stands for fear of missing out. So basically FOMO is like anxiety or like being worried that you may have like an exciting event or something's going on elsewhere and you're not around to be a part of it. Mostly it comes from social media, you know, just seeing other people live their lives and you're not there to live it with them. That's what FOMO is. So have you experienced any FOMO recently? Oh, yeah. I experienced FOMO like all the time. And I didn't realize it was FOMO until actually maybe a couple days ago when I was like, oh, well, this is exactly what I'm feeling is when I see people like going out and kind of having fun. I'm like, oh, I wish I was there. I want to be a part of that. And then I remember there's a pandemic outside. And so (laughs) I can't really be a part of that. But I definitely experience it every once in a while. And Um, I know before the pandemic, I definitely had FOMO when I would see like my friends like go out to random places like Disneyland and Universal and granted, you know, they did work there. So it did make sense for them to be there. But I also wanted to be. Yeah, (laughs) I also wanted to be there. I want to have fun on my lunch break. Like there was no roller coasters at my job for me to enjoy while I was on my two hour lunch break. Did you ever think of getting a job at Disneyland? I thought about it. I really did think about it in college. I was like, oh my gosh, I could work at Disney in the Disney college program. Yeah, I really wanted to be a princess at Disney. But then I found out there's a height requirement. I know. (laughs) That's that's what got me angry. It's okay. We're both too short. I'll just um, stand on your shoulders. And then we could be one whole princess together. Oh my gosh, that's genius. And then we won't have FOMO and we won't miss out. (laughs) And it's actually like, be a very tall princess. A very tall princess. <laughs> it's actually really crazy because mo- most of the people suffering from FOMO are like our age. Mm-hmm. But it's like also people younger than us. It's people older than us. I think the average ages are 18 to 30. So that's like millennials and like older Gen Z kids. Right. And that's like really weird. But I read that anybody can suffer from FOMO and it actually does also affect like older people, like people in their 40s and 50s and 60s, like anybody on social media can suffer from FOMO. How do older generations suffer? Is it different than how we suffer from it? No, it's all the same. It's like you just want to be included. Like if Mm -hmm. like an older person sees like, I don't know, their grandchild's birthday posted and they weren't there for it. Like that's a form of FOMO if you just get sad over it. Poor grandpa. I know. (laughs) Just imagine like a grandfather looking out the window. And it's really like, that's just where it stems from. It just stems from being sad over what you see on social media. It comes from an unhappiness with life, low satisfaction, feeling like you don't Mm -hmm. belong, causing feelings of jealousy. And it's, it's actually, I think that that's the worst part is the jealousy feeling. Cause it's like, I shouldn't be jealous that other people are out there living their best lives, but it, I kind of am. Right. Whenever I'm feeling FOMO, that's the main struggle that I deal with is that I want to be happy for them, but I also feel left out and I don't know how to combat or balance that. Well, the best way to do that is to just kind of like not worry about it like that's literally what experts say like I know that that sounds like super 
not helpful, but they literally say, you just can't worry about it. You have to focus on your own life instead of everyone else's. Because if not, you're just going to have low self-esteem, phone addiction, anxiety, depression, all that. And then how else can we avoid FOMO? Get off of social media. Get off. Don't I mean, look. That's, that's easier said than done. <laughs> it's much easier said than done, especially because they actually had a study from the BBC and they gave nine kids the challenge of not using social media for a week. And one mm-hmm. of them was like, oh, like, I'll be fine. I'm not addicted to my phone. Like, I'll be OK. And then like he broke like midway through the challenge. And he I was feel like, like that kid is me. That kid yeah. <laughs> Like, it was, like, really hard. He was, like, I felt, like, left out. I felt disconnected. You know, I was missing out when my friends would talk about stuff that happened on TikTok or YouTube or Facebook. And I felt, like, really bad for him because I was, like, oh, my gosh, that must suck to be, like, super isolated. No, yeah. I like to think that I could go a whole day without it. I think I could go a whole day without it. We should do a challenge. We should not. Another kid from the study, he actually made it through the whole challenge. And he was like, oh, I'm not addicted to my phone like I thought I was. He's like, I would never do this again. Mm -hmm. But at least now I know I can go a week without my phone. And I'm like, that's commendable right there. Because I don't think I could do that at all. How old are the kids? They were in high school. They didn't say their ages specifically, but they were like high school age. They went to okay. like a British school. I'm guessing they were British by their uniforms. You know how you can just look at a school uniform and be like, you're from England. Well, they're British. They don't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> the British don't exist? <laughs> I, I believe it's a made up land. It's a made up land. Okay. Do you have any other facts for us? Oh, was 41% of people say yes to spending money because they worry about not being invited in the future. I feel like that's you. That is definitely me. Like, I'm that person where they're like, oh, do you want to go to this concert? Yeah, it's $200. Oh, but if I say no to this, they may never invite me to a concert ever again. And then I will spend the $200. It's crazy. Like, people really out there spending money they don't have to hang out with people because they're worried about not being invited. And I'm like, that's so sad. People even make, 60% of people make purchases because of FOMO, mostly within 24 hours. So it's like people just buying stuff and spending money because you're worried about missing out. And I'm like, are you worried about missing out on those bills though? That's the real Mm. question. Yeah, you're gonna have real FOMO when you you don't have a house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's like the whole thing. It's like, (laughs) where do we draw the line? Because I am that person. I will spend my bill money on things that make me feel better. I think that's where my FOMO stops. It's like, oh, those guys are having fun. Oh, tickets are $100. Um, Good luck, guys. Have fun without me. It's fine. I'll just be here not spending money. Because usually I think FOMO stems from jumping to conclusions. Oh, they purposely wanted to hurt me. Mm -hmm. When I know that's not the case. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah, so I I get that feeling. I used to feel it a lot in middle school and high school. But recently, especially since I've been very busy with college and getting a job, that sometimes when you occupy yourself and you're already busy, you feel less FOMO. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? No, because yeah, you're already you're already busy. You think that if these people ask me out right now, I wouldn't be able to go anyway mm-hmm. because I'm busy. So that could be a good way to fight FOMO is to occupy yourself. 
with other things. That's a good way. And I feel like that's kind of easier than the whole disconnect thing because just disconnecting, what are you going to do? Just throw your phone in the toilet and be like, yep, that'll do it. Exactly. It's not as realistic. I don't think friends are out there to hurt you or do things without you. I mean, for the most part, I hope your friends aren't doing that. If they are, then find new friends. I feel like nobody talks about FOMO. Like, it's just one of those, like, underlying conditions that just nobody talks about. Yeah, because it's awkward. Have you ever confronted someone who found out without you? Yeah. Isn't it weird? (laughs) No, I was angry because it was for somebody's birthday. Oh. And I had helped plan the birthday event. Oh, what? (gasps) And then they went and did a whole separate event without me. Okay, that is a whole different level. I would get upset at that too. I was super upset. And then me and that whole group didn't speak for like six months. I sometimes have FOMO for stuff that I was invited to and I just said no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you think that comes from a bit of insecurity? No, I feel like it comes more from regret. Uh, I could see that. I like like I don't feel like getting up. I don't want to put a bra on. I don't want to do all that. I'm just going to lay in my bed. And then I see everyone having a great time. And I'm like, dang, I should have gone. It's like when you and Shirley went to that bar. Right. I mean, it wasn't that fun if to make you feel better. <laughs> Thank you. I do have a story about FOMO. So basically, I'm going to call this person Carol. And I'm sure you know who Carol is, but I'm going to protect Carol's identity. And so Carol is somebody I was talking about FOMO with the other day. And she goes, oh, I don't believe in FOMO. And I was like, looking at her, like I just gave her the side eye. I forgot this was a podcast and I made a facial expression, (laughs) not realizing that no one would see it. But I gave her the side eye and I'm looking at her like, I've been with you while you complain about people doing fun things without you. You do it all the time. You literally always ask, why aren't I invited? What do you mean you don't experience FOMO? (laughs) And I'm just like looking at her. She's like, no, I don't. She's like, no, not really. And I'm just like, "You're you're missing out right now on admitting that you have FOMO. You're getting FOMO of FOMO. FOMO of FOMO, exactly. (laughs) The fear of admitting you have FOMO. What is the acronym for that? (laughs) Okay, so Jay. Yirash. Imagine you're back in the 1950s. I mean, but you're not a minority, so everything's good. Oh, okay. So you wake up, you eat your breakfast, you have your newspaper, you flip through, you go to work or do your chores after, you're gone for the day. You probably wouldn't see the news again until, say, around dinner time. What from that and now do you see a difference? Well, the news now is more like instant gratification. Like you can just look at it any time of day. Yeah, like now it's just it's like the whole thing is social media like lets you see everything like the news 24 7 you cannot escape it you can't escape it and you don't only see your local news you don't just see your nationwide news you see news globally you're exposed to it 24 7 all the time anytime something new breaks out you see it right away Mm -hmm. where do you think most people get their news from social media wise Probably Facebook, just because that's like everybody's like reposting everything. And like on Instagram, you can repost stuff, but like it's not really 
as prominent as it is on Facebook. Yeah, that's correct. 43% of people who get their news from social media get it through Facebook, which is crazy when you look at the other numbers because right under that, only at 21% get it from YouTube, 12% from Twitter, 8% from Instagram. And then if you go down some, 2% of people get it from WhatsApp, which I think is really interesting because I didn't count that as a social media website. I'm actually, I'm not surprised about some of these numbers. I just can't believe Facebook has such a big hold on how much news people get from it. 50% of internet users said that they hear about their latest news through social media before any sort of news station. That means social media is their first impression. You know, it could be right, it could be wrong. A lot of the internet users will go to the breaking stories on their feed from social media. So they might see it on social media first and then click on it. That doesn't shock me, though, because that's exactly how it is in my house. My grandparents will be like, did you hear about XYZ? And I'm like, yeah, I already saw it. Mm -hmm. But I get it all from social medias. Right. No, it's the quickest way to spread information for sure. 57% increase in traffic to news sites from social media. So a lot of these news sites are going to social media to increase their traffic on their websites. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Mm -hmm. That would make the most sense because that's how you're going to get it out the fastest. Right. And everyone wants clicks. Everyone wants views. That's how they're making money through their websites. So what's wrong with how we consume our news? Like what's wrong with how we're getting it at this time? So seeing things like that all the time in the volume that we're getting right now, it increases PTSD. It increases anxiety and depression. And not only that, but we're so fixed onto getting this visual shock right because that's how you're going to attract people more people are interested in pictures like a picture speaks a thousand words right Mm -hmm. so that causes a lot of graphic images to be more viewable than it was 50 years ago 50 years ago you might hear about the news but you're not going to see an actual victim Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And just being exposed to all that kind of news every single day, it gives us all this anxiety and depression. Well, why do you think that people are more prone to look at bad news than they are good news? I wish that I would be less interested in bad news, but it actually comes back to a biological standpoint of why we like hearing or why we're more interested in hearing bad news rather than good news. Our brain is wired to pay more attention to bad news because of negativity bias. Basically, a survival instinct in our brain pays more attention to things that can potentially harm us, which makes sense. Because if you're looking at two things, a grizzly bear coming towards you or a little flower, wouldn't you be more interested in the grizzly bear running towards you because you're like, I have to go now. Maybe he just wants to be friends. Why are we prejudging bears? You're right. And you know what? That's what happens when you judge too early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be when you poo. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, grizzly bears are running towards us because they want to attack us. I mean. We're assuming. We're going to be safe here and we're just going to run away. Yeah. Hashtag not all bears though. Just, <laughs> just so people know where we stand. Right. So that's why we pay more attention to bad news, Hmm. which it kind of sucks, but it does make sense that your brain wants you to be aware and is more heightened and more interested when hearing bad news. Okay. Okay. Our brain is like a teenage girl looking for a bad boy, you know? No, but that's like super interesting though, especially because like you would think that your brain wants to pay attention to things that would put you at ease. 
rather than the things that would heighten your senses because your body doesn't like to be in that constant state of panic like right it's not a normal or it's not a natural feeling like your normal everyday feeling is feeling like balance okay so get this the average visitor who comes from a social media site will only stay on the article 15 seconds or less that's enough to read a headline maybe a tagline that's not enough to get the whole story no, not at all. I, I'm no. I for one definitely don't do that. You can't see me winking right now, but <laughs> I don't do that. I read the whole article. Well, for sure. I mean, if you're going through tons of headlines every day, no one's gonna have time to sit there and read the whole article. But 15 seconds—that just seems so. For that, you might as well not even click on it. You might as well just read the headline and go along with it. Maybe they were hoping to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got like 15 seconds in there like nah this isn't for me yeah there you go not only that but because people are flipping through so many headlines every day the news needs to be sensationalized like that's journalism 101 mm-hmm. everything needs to be like the headline needs to grab your attention which has always been the case but now because they need people to stay on their sites because the more time you spend on someone's website the more money they'll accumulate through the ads that they have so clickbait Yeah, clickbait. And like I said, bad news attracts more attention. So of course, they're going to lead with something that's negative. Mm -hmm. So what is the most depressing headline you've ever seen? I don't even think I remember that. Really? Do you remember yours? Absolutely. Oh my God, what is it? Donald Trump elected 45th president of the (laughs) United States. (laughs) Okay, well then, yeah, I guess that would have to be mine as well but that is interesting it's like everything has to be so sensationalized and exaggerated essentially clickbaity that's what it is it's like watching a youtube video where they're like you know tinder date gone wrong mm-hmm. and then it's like all what happened was the guy made her pay right like that's that's not exactly a tinder date gone wrong i thought exactly. the dude was gonna pull out a camera <laughs> and start <laughs> filming your feet or something Jay, that's a very specific circumstance. I'm telling you, multiple people have got to have gone through that. That can't just be a me thing. Okay, so Jay, did you know that Facebook has us categorized? As what? As, well, many different things. Like, one of my categories is friends with someone who participates in Ramadan, which they're not wrong, but that's one of our categories. You can go under Facebook under their settings and their ad settings. And you could see what kind of categories Facebook puts you in, in terms of advertising so that they could have the correct advertisements thrown at you. What kind of Ramadan advertisements are there? Like, what, <laughs> I what know, are you I've seeing? never gotten one. I've never gotten a Ramadan advertising. So obviously they're not doing their part. Facebook puts you in these categories. And one of the big categories that stood out to me was Republican or Democrat. They classify you based on who you're friends with, what region you're living in, oh, wow. what kind of posts you interact with. So they really are keeping a log on all your data and everything like that. Yeah, no, it's and they make it obvious. You can go into your settings. Everyone can check what they categorize you as. And because of that, they will advertise to you accordingly, which can be really harmful because when you're voting, you want to see both sides of the story. You don't want to just get one sided information that's going to appeal to Democrats or appeal to Republicans. And, you know, 
Facebook advertising is a really big thing used in campaigns. Well, all through social mm-hmm. media, not just Facebook. Obama was the first president to use social media as a campaign platform. That surprises me, but at the same time, it doesn't surprise me because it surprises me because it's like, you know, social media has been around. There's forums. There's, you know, there were early versions of social media before mm-hmm you know, Facebook got big and Instagram and all that. Mm-hmm. But it, so it kind of surprises me, but also at the same time, like Obama was like the youngest president. He was the coolest president. He was hip. Like, so it doesn't surprise me that he'd be like the first one to really jump on the social media bandwagon. Right. Besides before Facebook became big, it was MySpace. Could you imagine Obama on MySpace? <laughs> that would be so funny. I, I would be imagine- his friend. I just imagine like an emo kid, like for some reason he has side swept bangs coming out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. Now I just see Obama with like streak, like pink hair and like a bunch of eyeliner. (laughs) So yeah, he was, he was the first to use it. And around that time, they, they spent a few million on social media advertisements, but in the 2016 election, $1.4 billion was spent on social media ads. Oh wow. That just like shows amongst how- everyone. I yeah, I believe it was between both candidates. Mm. But that just shows how profitable it is to use social media as an advertising platform. But it is super harmful just because they're just going to appeal to what side of a position they know that you're going to like. And you know what's crazy is there used to be a law in place to where the mm-hmm. news had to give you both sides of the story nonpartisan. And I That's how it should be. They mm-hmm. control what we see. They control what we buy. They are basically controlling, I don't want to say how we think, but at the same time, kind of like how we think and keeping us in these little bubbles where we're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's why I completely ignore political advertisements on TV and mail. Because of course, the people who want their proposition to win, they're the ones who are sending you these mails and advertisements. Mm-hmm. That's why I always want to do external research. I just want to hear the straight up pros and cons of all the propositions that Mm. we're voting on instead of hearing it from the companies that are trying to have it passed. Right. And that got me thinking of a question that you asked me actually last week about Proposition 22. What did you tell me about it? It was basically the Proposition 22 in California is going to decide whether or not people who do app-based services like Uber Eats, Lyft, Uber, um, DoorDash, all those services, if whether or not they become independent contractors or W-2 employees. A yes on Prop 22 would make it okay for companies like Uber and Lyft to classify their drivers as independent contractors. And do you know who is campaigning for Prop 22? I'd imagine by the companies that are trying to like save their businesses like Lyft, Uber, all those, DoorDash. Exactly. And me being alive on this planet for 24 years, I'm really skeptic of large companies. And I know that when they are pushing for, an, for a, you know, a proposition to pass, that they really just care about benefiting the big dogs in the company, the higher ups. And they don't really care as much if your regular Uber driver gets screwed over. Mm-hmm. And all these commercials are making it seem like oh, they're going to lose their job. You know, they want to do this as a side hustle. If we vote no, then they're going to lose their jobs. They're going to lose that side hustle when that's totally not true. 
Unemployment has skyrocketed. What do state politicians do? Pass a drastic law that could eliminate hundreds of thousands of jobs by making it illegal for app-based drivers to continue working as independent contractors. Proposition 22 will protect drivers' ability to work as independent contractors, saving critical jobs and services. I'm right. not going to lie. Without anything to separate it like without seeing the other side that's a pretty convincing commercial honestly I knew the other side and even hearing that commercial I still was like oh you know this could be a good thing mm -hmm. but then I found an interview with Tanya Etesval sorry if I butchered that name she actually works for Brightshare companies and she argued that first of all they aren't independent contractors whether Uber and Lyft wants to call them that or not, independent contractors, there are certain things or certain like characteristics that independent contractors have that Uber and Lyft drivers don't have. Like they can't negotiate their pay. Actually, Uber and Lyft has been cutting the pay rates for the last five years. Really? And that's something they can't unionize against because they're not employees. Mm -hmm. And if more people vote no, people are still driving for Uber and Lyft, but now they would get be getting benefits unemployment right now exactly unemployment workman's comp and fair wages and the main takeaway from this is that uber and lyft they spent almost 200 million dollars on this campaign to get people to vote yes mm -hmm. when a lot of that money could have been going to helping their employees out if their employees are feeling, you know, not appreciated for their work, using that $200 million on giving them hand sanitizers, giving them things to clean their car with, because that's one of the new mandatory laws or mandatory rules. So by voting no, you're really going to give the drivers more benefits, appreciation for being a worker and not just an independent contractor, which they aren't anyway. Mm -hmm. So now they're just kind of in this weird middle ground of an independent contractor and an employee. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like encourage people, you know, like as I would anyone else, do your research from nonpartisan sources and make sure like, you know, vote your conscience because that's kind of what democracy mm -hmm. is. But on lighter news, <laughs> let's talk about yeah. some good things. On a brighter note, social media has done a lot of positives as well. I think probably one of the best things about social media is that it's been used to bring awareness to issues that people may not have been savvy to before, especially a lot of social justice issues. There's a lot of good that it does. Mm -hmm. It can also be relaxing to some people. It's a good way to connect with friends. Now with social media, we can release footage of everyday injustices in the world. We've been seeing that a lot with the case of George Floyd and many others. It gives a little bit more responsibility to people's actions. And you're also held, you know, accountable for what you say. Because mm -hmm. a That's lot of true. times, back in 2010, nobody was thinking that social media was going to be forever, that the mm -hmm. internet was forever. But now it's like th that stuff is catching up to people. I think especially during times of protests, People use social media to schedule them and keep people informed. I know through TikTok, a lot of people were filming the injustices, like those rubber bullets that mm -hmm. are way more harmful than what I thought. Once seeing it through TikTok, I realized, oh, wow, they're actually using excessive force. 
So, you know, it's also used to hold police accountable, which is super important. In a time where people are kind of iffy about trusting police right now, I think by having social media on your side, having the ability to also film from your point of view is super important. And on top of that, it makes us feel less alone. There are groups and resources and subreddits for just about anything you're dealing with. And also on top of that, learning. A lot of people can continue their education without paying for really extreme like college prices. Mm -hmm. Did you take any courses this quarantine? I did. I took a course on digital marketing through Google Garage. This is not sponsored by Google. (laughs) I wish. If you would like to sponsor (laughs) us, uh, please hit us up. I'm sure the CEO of Google is watching this right now. I'm listening. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's totally he's just like. I've got to get, I've got to make them the Google podcast girls. The Google girls. Yeah. I don't know why I thought of like go-go dancers. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I've been taking some design courses through Udemy. And I thought it was really interesting because in one of the classes, they have a Facebook group where people can post up their work. And so not only can you post up your stuff and get feedback through that, but you can see other people and how they tackled their projects. So it feels like an actual classroom. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then especially during times of a pandemic where we can't really go out right now, social media helps us stay connected with our friends and our family. So true, especially if they live like overseas. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about how different the pandemic would be without social media and technology in general. Like it would be so lonely. We'd be so bored. But like everything, social media should still be monitored. Listening to news 24-7, like I said, can lead to PTSD, anxiety, and depression, especially to those who are more empathetic. That's interesting. I believe that. There definitely should be a monitored time. And I think one of the best ways to do that is that most smartphones have a way where you can set a timer for your apps to turn off. So maybe set it for 10 o'clock before you go to bed so you're not being exposed to all that you can pick and choose specific apps oh that's smart that's a good way to just kind of get your mind off of it before you go to bed kind of just relax right I find it easier I don't I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's a way to relax but I think that one thing that helps me limit my social media time is I prefer to use it on my computer than on my Mm -hmm. phone because I'll scroll for less time on the computer than I will just sitting in the bed on my phone That makes actually a lot of sense. That's smart. I'm glad it makes sense because I don't know why I do that. I just I just do it because I my brain is just wired to do it that way. Having it on your phone makes it way more accessible and you can get a little bit more comfortable with your phone. Yeah. I think also picking up hobbies. I mean, people always say do yoga, but really just do anything that doesn't require a cell phone. Mm -hmm. Sunlight and exercise is really good for anxiety and depression. So that would help out a lot, too. And try not to obsess over your phone. But if you're going to do it, then be informed. And please vote. Yes, please vote. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Cheers and Tears. I'm Iraj. And I'm Jay. Tune in for next episode when we talk about the legal ramifications of fly fishing.